Hello, what the fuck is up? It's Flynn. And today, after I've been on break for a couple of weeks, I'm back with another episode of Pack One, Pick One. You know it, you love it, the greatest MTG podcast out there. Won millions of, you know, Pulitzer Prizes, Tony Awards, Emmys, I got a Grammy, I think, once, you know, I just, I threw that shit away. But today, we're going to be doing our hot takes on Corset M21. And after that, I'm going to be announcing the next giveaway for this podcast. It's been a while since I've done one, but I've got some pretty cool stuff that uh, a couple of listeners can win. I know in the past, only one person could win a giveaway, but this time, up to three people can. So stick to the end, or just just fast forward if that's what you care about, to that. But I think I've got some pretty good insights into Corset 21, so I hope you all do stick around for that, okay? Um... You know, it's still going to be in the draft rotation for a little while, mostly on Magic Arena, Magic Online, not many places in person at the moment, though. So, unlike a lot of my other kind of hot takes on sets, this one's still going to be pretty relevant for a while. So I hope that you all will find some useful uh, insights into that set on here. And like what I did for Ikoria, there will actually be some that are not strictly related to draft or sealed or just other types of limited and constructed, but about the set itself, all right? Because I I think that that worked out pretty well last time, and uh, I want to keep doing that because of the, uh, you know, pandemic. I don't have usual co-hosts here to kind of get their ideas from and bounce ideas off of. So I only wanted to do things that I had thought of and that I thought were, like, the most relevant. So there there won't be as many as maybe there could have been in the past or on podcasts where they still do have multiple co-hosts. Anywho, let's get into it. The first of, I believe, yes, 15, okay, before we get to the contest, it is number one for limited. You have to respect aggro. It's possible to dirtle around or play late-game archetypes like, say, blue-black reanimator, stuff like that. The odds are your opponent is going to be looking to beat your face in. So be careful about that. And that leads into my second hot take, actually, which is following that every deck must have ways to have early board presence and or interaction. Meaning, if you have a deck and you basically aren't going to be doing anything before, no, no, turn four or five, you're going to be losing pretty much all of the time. Um, you know, while it is, again, possible to play decks that are not aggressive, you can make good decks in almost any archetype in this set if especially if you get, like, the best stuff for that archetype. Most people are going to be building aggressive decks. So if you're not ready to deal with that, you're just going to get run over, okay? Um, now, uh, actually, I'll switch 
number three and four around here because I feel like that flows better. Uh, the strongest decks in this set are all aggressive for limited. I believe that the strongest is green-white with the counter th sub-theme or even with a minimal one, uh, followed by blue-red and red-green, kind of tied pretty much. Um, and then everything after that, just, you know, it's not as strong. They're all playable, again. But those are the three that, unless you really get pulled into another archetype, you only should be aiming to be in one of those three archetypes. Um, they're just the best. Now, this is something that is true for a lot of limited sets. I've not covered this point on other hot takes, but... It's just as relevant for this one as it has been for previous episodes, and will be for future episodes too. Is this. Cards that are not good in some formats can be good in others. Yeah, I know, it sounds kind of obvious, but you need to be able to look past previous biases and history of other sets that you may have played some cards in to see how good they are now, not just in the past. You know, again, sounds obvious. Could even sound counterproductive, right? Oh, but this card was so terrible in whatever fucking set it used to be in. That doesn't mean anything about what set it is in now. You know, initially, you do want to be wary of cards that didn't fare so well in Limited. Mern is good there, but every set's different. And what's bad or good somewhere, totally different in another set. You know, you got to be able to adjust your views on cards based on the context that you are using them in. I think I will mention a couple specific cards about this later. But, um, I don't. Then say, like, a Short Sword, which I believe first appeared in Dominaria. It's the one-mana artifact. One mana to equip gives a creature plus one, plus one basically unplayable in the set that it came out in. Really bad. Actually quite useful here. It would probably end a C- minus to C+, plus if you used the A, B, C, D, E grading skill. Um, so stuff like that, where you would think, or like a dub, which I affectionately call dab. You know, that card really wasn't great in Dominaria as well, but it's actually solid here. Turns out, if you play a Pteranodon and then slap a dab on it, turn three, swinging with a 5-5 five, five first strike lifelet, uh, first strike creature, I think it's trample too, then it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you all need to, at first, you know, remember that cards you played with, remember if they were good or bad, but things can actually change their ratings in a given set. So... I want to hammer that point home because it's very important, especially for this set. Now, that kind of follows into this. That cards that look unassuming but come out early can win you the game, like Drowsing Tyranodon. You put a dab or a short sword on that, and then turn three, you're attacking with a 5-5 five, five first strike or a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> That's no joke. Same with a seasoned Halblade. You know, put a short sword on that even, or God forbid, a dab on that card? Ridiculous. You don't even need to, like, give it indestructible most of the time. Not much can deal with the 5-5 five, five first striker. So, again, cards that, you know, you don't think that they'd be good a lot of the time, 
especially in this set when it leans aggressive, can be very potent. You need to be wary of that, whether it's facing off against them or whether things that you would want to put into your deck in the first place. You know, don't underestimate them on either side of the board. Now, here's the thing about this set that also applies to other sets too. This is point number seven. The best archetypes are not just so good because they're fast, and it is a fast format overall, but because they're the easiest to build strong, consistent decks for, with only commons and a few uncommons, you know, signpost ones, rares or mythics if you're lucky. You know, the fact that the higher rarity cards are not crucial to making these decks good or why they are so good especially with recent sets that in the past few years tend to have like the signpost on commons to let you know what the archetypes are. The decks that are the least reliant upon those and rares or mythics tend to be the best in the set, whether they are aggressive, mid-range, control, etc. And that's because even if you don't open the best cards or if other people are trying to draft the same deck as you, you have much better odds that you're not going to be completely cut off from a playable shell. It may not be the best version, may not be the best version of it at the table, but you'll have better chance of having a deck that won't just be a guaranteed 0, 3, or 4. You will actually have playable decks. And, you know, not just because the set is so aggressive, but green, white, blue, red, you know, etc., they can be built just from commons, even. Even an uncommon or two. Like, you don't need to hit the jackpot to have a playable deck that will at least get you even a win or two. And that's very important. And I believe you should carry that tip over to other limited formats as well. And it's something to look out for. Like how um, in Theros, Beyond Death, Black Green was very good. And that's because... A lot of the best cards are just common rarity, you know? Help that black was very good, yes, but um, it's something to be on, on the lookout for in other sets that you draft in. I may include this point as well in future episodes, especially if I feel it's very relevant to that set. But remember, um, you know, if you have an archetype that's good and it doesn't really even need the higher tier cards, it's one to really think about getting into. It says a lot about it. Less of a gamble, you know, etc. Now, point eight, which is basically what this was <laughs> as well, is that it's true of most limited formats, you know? Take it into account when you navigate the draft. Don't move into archetypes that require higher rarity cards unless you get those early. You know that that lane is open to you. So, yeah. Uh, very important. Now, number nine, again, by limited, uh, the colors from best to worst, I feel, are green, then pretty much right behind it, white, then red, then blue, and then black. It's interesting coming from a couple of sets like Theros, where black was very good, to one where it's pretty fucking terrible. Uh, black's not so great in the set. Black-white is not a good archetype. Unless you get the biggest bombs and get them early. Like, if you get hooked up, sure, fine, it's fine. But overall, it's not one that a lot of people want to play. 
blue black reanimator is okay but that's about it <laughs> that's the best archetype of black in it um point 10 now while it can be fun and strong decks based just around teferi's tutelage the blue uncommon enchantment can be a trap to play as a limited deck you want to be able to get it relatively early so you can get card draw you know, spells that you can build around it with, and you're going to need to focus on drawing. Not just that, but surviving the board, because your opponents still, you know, if you don't mill out the right cards and get lucky with that, or if they're really aggressive, then still just overrunning on the board. You know, it's a deck that tends to focus on drawing, not necessarily building up a board state, unless um, you treat it as, like, a secondary win con. So while it is a very fun and rewarding card to get kills with in Limited, you do need to uh, be wary of when you get it and how much your deck needs it to win um, and surviving the aggro decks. All right, 12, no, 11. Your weak cards can combine to become gr- very good cards, kind of like Voltron, is echoing a point I made earlier, like uh, Drowsing Pteranodon or Sh- Shieldmate, both commons, put a short sword on them and you're going to town. Do not underestimate this. Now, 12, actually 12. In regards to buying product, be wary of how low value non-collector set cards are and non-alt art cards, even some of the alt art cards. As you have all seen on this podcast, when I opened up a box of this set, I paid like 80-something bucks for. Shout out MVP Sports. Love you. Um, You can still only get like 50-something bucks back on a box just a couple of days after release. You know, now more than ever, especially with um, in-person play being very limited, if even existent in many spots, you're just better off buying the singles that you want. Honestly. It's like not even worth it to buy a regular box of this set for value. You, you will not get your value back. Unless you are supremely lucky. Like a foil to fairy alt Ugin, maybe. Uh, maybe not even then. You could still open up a <laughs> complete jank. Yeah. Um, uh, point 13, keeping on with that, is that out of every set that has had collector's packs so far, this one has definitely been hit the hardest financially for just non-collector's cards. Good for picking up cheap cards, Hell, you could get a foil alternate art containment priest for like three bucks. This used to be an invocation from like Amonkhet, right? It still had some value. Now you can just get another foil borderless. Not even five fucking bucks. So, um, you know, as you've all seen from my experience, it can be quite painful to open up regular product. Buy singles. Buy singles. Uh, point 14, if you have yet to play Jumpstart on Magic Arena, while it lasts, then this is a really good avenue for getting cards from this core set as well, because a lot of them are in Jumpstart. So don't go sleeping on those events. And then point 15, the final, the hottest take, is that you should focus on collecting the set on Arena or Magic Online. Arena because it's cheapest. Um, And just worry about getting cards later, especially if you play standard, because odds are you might not even get to play any real tournaments while the set's in standard. 
So don't worry about it that much, you know? Get the cheap singles that you really feel like you gotta get. But for most of the set, I just wouldn't even worry about it. Probably never even gonna get to play with it in person. Anywho, those are the 15 takes for Core Set 21. And uh, for those of you that have stuck through this long, or I guess fast-forwarded to this point, then yes, I'm going to now announce the third contest for this podcast. It's been a while, um, I've been wanting to do this, and since there's been a gap between episodes, I want to treat you all to something, um, you know, really nice, That since I haven't recorded one for a little while, it is this, okay? For about two or three years, I've been sitting on six packs of Cons of Tarkir with the Fetchlands. Uh, I got those a very long time ago to GP, and I just kind of threw them in this drawer that I've got with old booster packs of mine that just never got around opening. It's where I stored, um, I think that's where I stored my boxes that I open on this podcast, like those Iconic Masters ones, Baobon one, like long ago. And I'm ready to give those away. So, uh, as long as I get enough entrance, there will be three winners. Each winner will receive two packs of Cons of Tarkir sealed. I don't know. It's been, like, years since I got them, so I haven't, like, mapped them or anything. I have no idea what could be in those at all. And I will post a status on the Facebook page for this podcast. I will link, as I've done with every episode, um... In the description, the link to that Facebook page, so you all can check it out. I'll just make a generic post, like this is the contest post. All you have to do is like that post. Don't even have to comment, but I'd appreciate it. And that will enter you into the drawing. And uh, I will randomly choose, I'll announce it next Wednesday on this podcast, who has won the packs. I will ship them out to you for free, as long as you're in the United States, and uh, sealed, you know, put some protection around the packs even, like some cardboard paper around them, put them in an envelope, and I will ship them out to you, and you will get them. You'll pay nothing, free cons of Tarkir packs. You could even get a Fetchland if you're lucky. So, yeah, look out for that. It should be awesome. Uh, I will... You know, give you all about five, six days to like that status. There should be plenty of time. And if it goes well, then again, there'll be more contests in the future. I do want to point out that your odds are good. Um, the first contest I did, which was for one pack of every set of the original Ravnica block, no one even entered. Just fucking no one, I guess, wanted free packs. Old ones, too. Um, I had two people enter the new Phyrexia giveaway. So your odds are quite good if you do choose to take the second it would take to like the post on Facebook for this podcast. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Please, you know, I highly encourage you, give it a shot. It should be fun. I'm excited to give them away. You know, hopefully people get some awesome polls out of them. That'd be great. And until next time, thank you all for listening to this podcast. As always, you know, 
it warms my heart to know that there's an audience out there that checks these out. So, you know, it's my way of giving back to all of you is to, you know, give these cool things out. So check it out. And uh, yeah, about a week from now, you'll hear who won (laughs) if anyone does enter. So thank you all for listening as always and uh, goodbye.